Hey, everybody. Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast. It is episode number 105, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? What's up? It's beautiful and sunny down here in Florida. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to hear about the uh, warm and sunniness. That's terrible. I still can't believe I'm down here. I'm missing everybody's posts. I'm missing... I'm missing skiing right now. Yeah, real life is going on up here in the north right mm. at this time. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for checking us out and hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, hit us up, skibumpodcast.com. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. And I think we kind of changed our page now, right? We're, uh, we're actually like a real fan. Real fan page. Fan page, right? I flute and skibum. So you can find us... Um... Just look up High Foot and Ski Bum or the page that you know and love on Facebook. Beautiful. Twitter.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. Instagram.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. Soundcloud.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. If you want your old school throwback editions, we are, uh, it is slash highfalutin dash Ski Bum. And we are also on Pinterest as the Highfalutins. Oh, I got to post that to Pinterest. That, that'll happen later. Yeah, and if you could go to your favorite podcasting app, whether it be Stitcher or iTunes, and give us a uh, a five-star rating and a review, we would really appreciate it. If you need more instructions, you can go to skibumpodcast.com and go to the blog, and we have a post there about how to do it because it can be a little bit confusing. I don't know what happened with iTunes and with Steve Jobs dying, but the user experience on most Apple products has gotten extremely cumbersome and overly complicated. I don't know if causation is correlation to that, but it seems to be that things are not as smooth and easy as they once were. I'll summarize but, it, and that's a bunch of bullshit is what it is. <laughs> hey, I do not disagree with that. You can review us easily on Facebook as well. On our yes. new page, you could do a nice little review. And also, we want to give a huge tremendous bigly thank you to the folks over at boston globe i don't know if any of you guys caught it last week we only posted it and retweeted it like 37 times all over the place (laughs) but there was an article last week from christina prignano on uh, the boston globe you know minor newspaper only broke the whole pedophilia crisis in the catholic church two years back um they had a, a post up about eight podcast recommendations for your Thanksgiving road trip. And lo and behold, your pals were named as one of those podcasts. Yes, we were. I mean, how awesome was that? Like, I was completely blown away when I saw that. Dude, we don't, we never talked to anybody at the Globe or any of the people, the contributors or the, the, the author. So I was like, uh, I was asking you, I was like, do you know anybody at the globe? Like that, that's pretty cool. That or like perhaps we did and didn't know it. I think maybe, you know, they're in the Boston area. Maybe they're driving to their local ski area or a far away ski area. And they're just like, Hey man, let's listen to something about skiing. And they're, yeah, so, they're uh, feeling our vibe. I like it. Yeah. So there was a bunch of uh, contributing authors and, uh, Matt Pepin, he's the one who, who, uh, you know, commented that he checks us out and that he tweeted at us. So a big thank you to Matt for, uh, for including us in there. We really appreciate it. But uh, it was a cool little write-up because, you know, I always kind of struggle with like the, uh, the elevator pitch. Like, what is the podcast about? I'm like, well, it's about skiing and 
it's kind of about like weed and booze and and uh, you can't had, explain it. You just say it's it's a fun ass show. That's a <laughs> yeah. So he he it's the write up is great. It's as close as it gets to replicating the kind of chit chat you'd find while driving on a skiing day trip. The hosts discuss drinking, marijuana, ski news, news of the weird, and more. Yeah, a lot simple, of simple, lot of strange news. <laughs> elegant, perfect. So thank you guys uh, at the Globe and Matt and Christina for uh, for posting that. We really do appreciate it, and uh, you know, got us some uh, some new followers and new fans. So if you guys just started checking us out because of the article, really do appreciate it. Make sure you you hit us up on the socials or send us an email, drop us a line, let us know, skibumpodcast at gmail.com, what you think. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, if this is your first podcast, that'd be great to hear from you. Like, what do you think about it starting with, because we've had followers that have followed us from, you know, episode 12, which uh, somebody just wrote to us last week, Um, you know, early episodes. I mean, we're at 105 now, so we've, We've learned how to do this like over time. So people that were with us probably before like episode 20, 30, we were really going through like just trying to find our way. So it's kind of kind of cool to see like I'm sure you'd have a different take on like now versus then, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, then we didn't even have any equipment. We were just talking into my laptop. You know, Ghetto. Keep two it real. Three of us and it, it sounded terrible and it was we really didn't have a, a format we didn't have our wonderful intro music. <laughs> That's right. All self-created, right, Brian? Yeah, we're uh, we we totally bootstrapped this bad boy <laughs> from the uh, you know the design, the logo, the website, the music, the uh, everything. We've done this all ourselves. So homegrown, unlike something we would like to be having homegrown. Just saying. Pretty much, yeah. This is all this is all our babies here. So, yeah, so thank you guys for checking it out. And uh, thank you again to the Boston Globe. That was really cool of you guys to mention us. Definitely. All right. So now, as we always started off. It's time for our pray today. So, Mario, where are you living today? So I'm living in drinking the rest of the Thanksgiving with turkey wine. So I'm uh, doing a yellowtail Chardonnay because we don't have a sophisticated palate. Uh, for Thanksgiving, we have a regular, normal palate. Um, How many magnums do you guys plow through on Thanksgiving? Actually, we only went through uh, two half bottles of wine. Standard size, not the magnum. No, no standard size. Not a lot of drinking was going on. There's a lot of turkey eating, and I tell you what, I had like a glass of wine and just kind of fell asleep after dinner. It was great. So, d- is there like a Florida rule? You have to like have like crystal meth stuffing in your turkey. <laughs> Christmas stuffing, we have um, Bud Light gravy. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was like Natty Light gravy. Natty Light. Uh, no, I mean, you know, we do the traditional Puerto Rican Thanksgiving, if there is one, <laughs> with little arroz con gandulas, if anybody knows that. Don't you um, have no power? <laughs> oh, yeah. We shut the power off for to support Puerto Rico. Oh. Uh, we actually had my aunt that was here. She left Puerto Rico to come over, and she was trying to leave for like a month they would like her flights got canceled and everything so she's here she's gonna go back but she's like it's funny like i was talking to her because we sent over a bunch of stuff to like relatives other relatives that were there and she's like that um i sent her i sent uh, one of the relatives that is still i think without power this fold out camping um solar like cell phone charger or just 
battery charger and they said it works amazingly i got an amazon um and she's like what is that because i gotta wait for next she's like i want to prepare for next time i'm like that's thinking i like it so that's how you got to think right now all solar like a generator so, solar panels power wall tesla right. exactly so today i'm living in a uh so i was living in a decadent red from cupcake which is kind of cool cupcake makes decent decent bottle of wine i like them uh all their different Even if you're a sorority girl Come on. Yeah. And then, <laughs> good tasting. Good tasting. Uh, moderate price. But now I'm uh, hitting up a yellow tail Chardonnay because that red is gone. So there's only like a glass in there. So yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be cleaning out the fridge. I'm sure my mom's going to appreciate it because she could stuff it with more food. Beautiful. But, uh, yeah, she's feeding me like a turkey. So I think I'm getting getting a little fatter as I go on. <laughs> well, you got to uh, pack on those winter pounds, right? Yeah, I went to the gym last night till about nine o'clock at night, and I was with a trainer for an hour, and he uh, pretty much beat the shit out of me. So. In the sauna, or actually like lifting weights? <laughs> so, no, in the sauna, of course. <laughs> well, that's how you start the workout, right? You got to be in the sauna for like the first few weeks. Lube up, and gay. Yeah, totally. Oh, you you don't do the rub down with yours? <laughs> I thought that was standard operating procedure. Well, you know, it's nice where in the sauna they have like lights, you know, like disco lights and stuff. It's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, no, but really, like I've been doing a lot of like um, just high explosive, just not a lot of weight kind of workouts. And it's mm -hmm. really been beating me up. I told him try to get me in, work, in shape for ski season. So I'm still trying to get in shape because I haven't gotten out there, man. And was he like, what is skiing? Yeah, actually, he's going skiing for the first time in North Carolina. And I'm like, yeah, I skied there. I used to go to school up there. And I'm like, it's all right. It's pretty small. I said, but the first time, just be prepared to fall. So we'll see. He's going to come back be like, man, that's the real deal. I'm like, yeah, that's right, bitch. Now you're in my house. He'll come back like in uh, in Better Off Dead when the dude's like in like the wheelchair, like the two broken legs. Yeah, right. <laughs> Freaking just beat up. Yeah. But I've actually found a lot of people down here that um, that do ski or have skied like big places. And I'm like, all right, it's good to know. They're like not averse to skiing. So I actually spoke to someone on Thanksgiving, one of uh, my wife's cousin's wives, that uh, her family lives an hour from Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Nice. And Get I was asking them if they've ever been to Urban Ski Weekend. Yeah, who hasn't? And lo and behold, they said no. What? Because apparently Gatlinburg is like super southern, like what? Confederate southern, like uh, aka racist uh, southern. I sat in a uh, wing house the other day, having a few beers, watching a football game, and I sat next to probably four of the least likable rednecks that I've ever had the company of being in the in their presence. Um, oh God. And I lived in North Carolina for about five or six years. I mean, these guys were pretty bad and racist. And I was about to say something to them, but I was like, I was by myself. I'm like, I might as well just shut up. They're not causing any trouble. They didn't say anything to anyone, whatever. So I just left left things be. Sometimes you gotta you gotta just walk away. Yeah, I, I kind of I calculated the odds of getting knifed or shot, and I was like. I'm like the only guy like down here that doesn't have a gun. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> you would have been like a like a, a Florida man, you know, comic. It would have been a like Twitter post. It would have been another normal headline. Puerto Rican gets shot in a parking lot. <laughs> Puerto Rican Florida man, yeah, gets shot in a parking lot. 
at Winghouse. Yeah, yeah, he had an Italian name, but he was Spanish and he looked white, but he still got shot. That's fine. We'll ch- chalk it up to a Puerto Rican guy to get shot. Yep. Yeah, it's a weird. Anyway. Yeah. So that goes back to the yellowtail Chardonnay. <laughs> Brings it full circle. And so it's the jumping of the kangaroo that's on yellowtail. So I was jumping around. Ah, nice. So we didn't plan this. You know, we didn't discuss ahead of time what our uh, app parade today was going to be. But I am also partaking in wine because, you know, Thanksgiving at at my uh, (laughs) in-laws, always a lot of bourbon involved. And then we do another like kind of next day Thanksgiving on Friday with a different part of the family. And again, there's a lot of bourbon and a lot of beer this time. And I actually didn't drink for like five days, which I was trying to think last time I didn't drink for five days and I couldn't even remember when that was. And uh, yesterday I had a nice steak, so I had to break out some red wine. And uh, I went to the liquor store a few weeks ago and I I don't like spending a lot of money on wine because my palate is just, it's it's there for some other things, but not quite wine. Roll it out, man. It's, it's, life's too short to drink bad wine. True. But I'm, uh, I'm finding a lot of, $10 $10 Cabernets that I like. So I bought like five of them, five $10 different kinds. a good price. That's not yeah. yeah. So I got the uh, the original Smoking Loon Cabernet. I like Smoking Song. Nice. It's a, uh, a tasty juice. Got to tell you, tasty juice. Well, that one's a little oaky, right? I like the Smoking A little bit. Loon. Yeah. It's uh, very smooth, though. A lot of flavor. Nice. Really good. And again, I, for, I love red wine, like a Cabernet with steak. It's like my favorite thing. Mm. Well, one of the 90 favorite things that I have. But yeah, so this is the original Smoking Loon. I don't know if there is a ripoff, like a Gallagher 2 version of the Smoking Loon. <laughs> no, but, I think uh, there's only one. I like Smoking Loon. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, they got a really cool like insignia. It looks almost like Asian art with like a black background. You know, it's drawn in like silver with like a uh, funky looking loon with a cigar in his mouth. Nice. So yeah, good stuff for 10 bucks or whatever like it was. You know, like ten, twelve dollars. You're talking like a nice wheelhouse. You go like four, five, six dollars. All right, now you're you're backing off on the price, which is fine if you want just a regular drinking one. You know, now you start going like if you start going into like the twenty, that's when you're going up a level. Like, you gotta start really finding what you like. That's where I like I like to taste it before. You know. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the ten dollar Chardonnays because or a Cabernets because you can you can find a lot of good ones from from Napa. Yeah, you know, I I love red wine, but it. it it kind of bothers my stomach and my sinuses the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I started switching to white one. And then I do the, uh, the Chardonnays. If anybody hasn't heard soda stream, they're having a little trouble and they're looking for ways to innovate because, you know, I think they sold the crap out of those things at Costco and online and wherever. Um, QVC. It had the, the big commercial during the Super Bowl with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I think they did. Damn, I love Scarlett Johansson. I probably didn't see the Soda Stream because she was in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, they were selling these things everywhere, and they're a great idea. It's like you know, make your own soda. Why are you gonna go out and buy soda, whatever? And then you get into the whole process, like you got to buy this the, you know, the little canister of the syrup, and then you provide your own water, and you know, so it kind of gets a little more complicated as you get into it. But it's still, you know, if you're drinking a lot of soda, your big soda drinking family makes sense. Well. Because they saturated the market, I think they were having a little trouble. And now they actually came out with a good innovation. So their next trick is turning water into wine. Literally, they're going to take um, a like a, an additive 
and put it into their thing and they're going to have it like mixed with wine instead of water and it's going to be a carbonated water it's going to be basically a sparkling wine that you're going to make with your soda stream so it sounds great um it's only available in germany right now so they're saying uh sparkling gold is what it's called and it'll, it'll turn your riesling especially uh, specifically into wine wait isn't riesling wine already uh it'll be sparkling wine sorry so champagne-ish wine okay so, so you have they, to start with alcohol to make more alcohol to make sparkling alcohol so the getaway of doing it i guess is if you know you pour the club soda into the wine and then that's a spritzer but it's not really a sparkling wine it's the bubbles are different blah 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 so i guess they the mix that they have that they inject in and they kind of it it makes it a little bit more closer to you know sparkling on which is champagne so they're actually saying they claim to have conducted independent taste tests of 100 people in germany which most of those people are are i don't know if they're wine drinking or beer drinking whatever uh they said 76 of them um actually liked their mixture or liked it on par with actual french champagnes like moet chandon uh we've Clicquot, and they were like this is a great product so that's why i love go to market. I love when they have statistics like that because there's no <laughs> sort of uh information as well these people all had six drinks before and on their seventh drink they were giving the soda stream versus the moe got them out of the beer garden and we had them try these two side by side yeah das schmeckt gut <laughs> it's super super <laughs> so it's funny how they say 76 percent. i'm like you had 100 people it's 76 people yeah seriously right it's not okay, like 76 percent so of like 10 million people you know all right, so I'm trying to wrap my head around this still. So you can, so you buy, so you just use sparkling water and then there's like an alcoholic powder you add to it? <laughs> no, they're saying it's enough to mix. So one bottle is enough to mix 12 glasses of wine. So I believe what's in it is it's an alcoholic concentrate that you actually, so the soda stream, basically you're adding water, carbonated water to whatever mix you bring in. So they're saying they have an alcoholic concentrate in this thing they call sparkling gold that I guess must have the, it must be concentrated wine somehow and they carbonate it now. I don't know if the carbonation is different because the bubbles from carbonation for champagne are very different than just like a, like a seltzer water. Like a soda bubble, like a carbon, carbon, is it carbon dioxide bubble or whatever they use for uh, soda? Yeah, and then the other one's nitrogen or something. I don't remember. Uh, whatever. My chemistry's off. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they're saying that concentrate is going to mix with the water that you put in to inject into that mixture. So why don't you just drink the concentrate? <laughs> like just like pound yeah. the concentrate. Be like, this was good for 12 glasses, but I drank the whole thing. You it may find like out it's fireball. Just saying. It seems like something people would... <laughs> would dip into a tampon and insert in themselves to get hammered really quick. I'm just saying, if you take that cartridge when it's done and fill it with fireball, can you do that? Like a, a fireball in like, Oh, fireball champagne, fireball champagne, fire, fire pain. That seems like a brilliant, like for some like sorority wants to be like really classy. 
You know? Oh, we're having fireball champagne today. Fire pain. Fire pain. I like it. fire pain. <laughs> we got to change the name because that is not going to sell any product. <laughs> fire pain. <laughs> yeah, fire in the hole. Fire pain. Balls. <laughs> Damn. I got you shambles here. <laughs> shambles. <laughs> oh, sham shambles. You do champagne. Yeah. Shamboard Sh- champagne. There you go. There you go. What else is concentrated? You do whiskey, right? You Jamo Jameson. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that would taste great. No, that'd be horrible. That that doesn't sound like it would taste good. Terrible. Uh, terrible. <laughs> so you need something concentrated. So interesting. So this this is only available in Germany for now, but I I have no why doubt this will be here in America in no time. But why only Germany, right? You got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's just strange. Like, why Germany? Like, is it more sparkling wine drinkers in the Rhineland? Maybe I have no idea. Company? Are they based out of there? I don't know. I think they have a branch there. I know they have a uh, Soda Stream US, and I thought they had one in Germany, but I'm not sure. Perhaps, but well, you know, like we do, we'll keep tabs on this, and if there's new information available in the uh, the states, maybe we'll have to get our hands on some. There is a sodastream.de, and they have a whole bunch of stuff. Is this a German product? I have no idea. Perhaps. Let's see if they have it. Oh, they have an English. Always translate German to English. Boom. Sparkling gold right on their homepage. Boom. <laughs> Riesling Geschmack. Geschmack is what? Um, tasty or delicious, tasty, right? Yeah. Riesling Tasty. Riesling Geschmeckt. This is Geschmack. Mm-hmm. Wow. I Good love stuff. the European design, too. They got, like, the German-European design to everything. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, they have Hollunderblut. They have a syrup of Hollunder, which is a special berry you can only get in uh, in either Germany or Austria or something. I don't know. Your uncle... Made a Hollander, um, they call it the Holland, uh, the Hollandberry or whatever, the Holland, mm-hmm. the Hollander. But he made a special, um, it, it's not a Schwetzka, it's a Kier, uh, like a Kirschwasser or whatever, but like uh, a schnapps, like a schnapps. He made a schnapps out of that, and it's supposed to be like a rare schnapps. And I had the thing, it was freaking awesome, man. He made everything, yeah, dude, was awesome, yeah, good stuff. So you gotta you gotta aspire to be like that. It's true. Make your halunder every once in a while. <laughs> it's and that then, whole bootstrapping ethos, you know. Make it yourself. Exactly. And they'll, they'll swear someone else to do it. And they'll swear they they used to swear that it cures all ailments. Yeah, seriously. Oh, you have a drinking like, problem? Have some halunder. It's their Nyquil. That's right. Oh, you cut yourself? Have some halunder. <laughs> it's like my mom. Puerto Ricans they eat like. Oh, I'll make you something. <laughs> Like, no, no, I'm still bleeding. <laughs> I'll make you something. You'll feel better. Like, what are you going to do? Put a, a waffle on top of my knee? Come on, man. I have a gunshot wound. Yeah. Oh, you eat something, you feel better. It's not going to help. <laughs> and it's not anything small. My mom was like, I'll make you, what do you want? <laughs> I'll make you a, a chicken. Like, a baked chicken? Like, that's not an easy thing to make. No, I just make it. Don't worry about it. It's so roasted pork. That's it. Be there the next day. I just make it happen. Amazing. 
All right. So now I almost think my mom has one of those Star Trek things where like you put it in and it replicates whatever you want. Like you just Ooh. a replicator. Just what do you want? <laughs> you want pulled pork? Boom. What's the like Jetsons? <laughs> when like Rosie would make yeah. dinner. You want escargot? Boom. I don't know what it is, but I just made it for you. How did you make it if you don't know what it is? <laughs> yeah, suspect. <laughs> but delicious. Yes. All right. Next up. Let's take a ride. Let's get into the Genjula. And we'll start off with Frank's Bean of the Week, because last week we missed out on it. Frank and Beans. We had a bit of a timing miscalculation with our pal Frank. So thank you, Frank, for sending this in. And this week, the strain is Black Jack, which is a strain that produces hard buds with huge, tremendous grape-like calyxes that are completely encrusted with THC. The Damn. taste is heavy and flavorful, and the strain produces exceptionally long-lasting effects. It's very common among medical patients. So, nice. relaxed, happy, euphoric, uplifted, talkative, good for depression, stress, and pain. Downside, dry eyes, and dry mouth. Oof. I guess if that's too bad, then it's not blackjack. The jack is black. It certainly is. You are not <laughs> splitting your fives. <laughs> our pal, right, now you got to go into that because everybody's wondering, what the hell, man? Splitting fives? Uh, it's, it's <laughs> Atlantic City. If you're in Atlantic City and you're sitting next to Brian, you got to be the drunk guy that is saying, the jack is black, splitting fives. That's all you got to do the whole time. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what you get for being at the $5 table. That's, that's, hey, and you know what? If you want to split his fives, it's his freaking right to split those fives. I'll stand by that. It's the dumbest thing in the world. The dealer was showing a six. I'm like, (laughs) my God, you are the dumbest person alive. That was my walk by after I lost all my money. So I was like, I don't know, man. (laughs) You got a better strategy than me. That works. I, I gave him like the look of death. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And then he's like, course, should I split fives? And you actually said, yeah, go ahead, split the fives. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, do it, man. Dude, you're telling me no, you double down. You never split yeah. the fives. No, luckily, oh. he, he, he listened to me and doubled down and got a twice <laughs> and won the hand. And, it just, yeah. and then you're like, I don't know how he did it. He's a genius. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It just makes me angry. <laughs> he was a genius sitting there. A genius. Won both hands. <laughs> Hardly, yeah. Hey, still want him. <laughs> life, life is destroying him. He won two hands of blackjack, and life that's the rest of the war. And that's when you 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 torch up a blackjack. Yep. <laughs> but Mario, this story is your favorite story of the week, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. So, all right, so someone has been launching weed over the border with a giant bazooka. Now, this came from Vice. Now, which border is, are we speaking of? We're talking the Mexico border into Arizona. And so last week, authorities seized a massive marijuana firing bazooka near the Arizona border. Now, <laughs> so what happened is over the years, like I didn't know this was even going on until this thing came up. But I guess apparently over the years, um, there, <laughs> there's one drug smuggler, uh, apparent medieval siege weapon enthusiast, built a catapult to huck bushels of weed over the wall. So... Um, Police caught the group a few years ago um, with a drug shooting potato gun 
And now it looks like someone heard about the potato gun, decided, hey, what if we make a potato gun even that much more bigger? You know, just just make a giant potato gun, just launch it over the over the wall. Here's your wall, Trump. We're, we're going over. So uh, <laughs> I guess this came up. So, you know, the whole thing. So the statistics are Mexican police, the bazooka was stashed inside a cargo van. And they have a picture of the cargo van on the link that we have on the website. And it has these doors that flip up on the roof. And so you can leave the back doors closed, it looks like, and just put the, you know, the nose of that bazooka up and just launch it. So you could be like a mobile launching van. It looked fucking genius. I got to say, they did a great job with this. They really um, did. Like you never notice it if you just like saw it driving by. It looks like a regular like white rape van. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it all fits right in. And they said, um, so the Mexican police said uh, they, they found the, uh, the, the van and the bazooka was stashed inside the cargo van with about 1,800 pounds of weed and 2,000 pounds of ammunition. So what they do is it's like a, a big, gigantic gun. They just put the ammunition in and just, boom, shoot out these big wads of marijuana out. So they're saying the, um, <laughs> uh, the uh, authorities believe the bazooka is supposed to fire through the van's sunroof and shoot packages across the border into Douglas, <laughs> Arizona. And they're saying, I guess this all came about because they had strange security footage in Douglas where they noticed last August a hundred pound bushel of weed flying over the border. A <laughs> hundred pounds? pounds. So these dudes are sitting there watching the, the camera like, what is that? Is that a person? Is that That's a big bag of weed. Oh my God! So, it, well, what's fantastic about this article? I mean, the pictures are great, but in the uh, the first paragraph, I love that we missed this this article back in the summertime. Um, apparently, the DEA caught a, uh, a a group, you know, smuggling in meth disguised as dick candles. <laughs> yes, yes. They said it's not like the. The, the pedestrian dick smuggling candle, you know, <laughs> drug thing. I'm like, that's a thing? I guess you, you... Apparently it is. Apparently. I mean, what do you do? You're embarrassing the TSA to look at her. The inspector's like, oh, it's dicks. I'm not touching it. Like, yeah, it's all made out of meth. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Red so, meth dick candle. So it's funny, like, how Vice... I love the way Vice writes and, and even the way they do their show. But, like, it's really good writing. You got to read the article because they're saying it's unclear whether the same people made two homemade bazookas or if everyone's getting into the drug canning game these days. So it's kind of it's kind of cute. Um, so they're drug smugglers slash... I mean, think about it. You get an old-fashioned trebuchet where they used to do, like, sieges. I mean, you could launch a, a lot of weed. Well, that's the thing I was thinking. We were talking about it a couple weeks ago. We had like a group chat and we were talking about like opening a restaurant in Ski Town. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to have like a like a trebuchet that launches burritos at people. And you could like, you know. <laughs> yes, the, the burrito launching trebuchet. And then I started looking up what's the difference between trebuchets and catapults. Oh, big difference. Like, technically, trebuchets are a type of catapult. Yes. Yes. But they launch a lot more weight. Right. And a lot further. If you look at a trebuchet, so any video game you play where you're doing a siege, <laughs> always get a trebuchet over a catapult because you get that long range. Yeah, it has that counterweight that it has to use to, to build up. It's crazy. I've seen a bunch of shows on like History Channel, and what they always love launching with the trebuchet is the pumpkins. They're like pumpkin oh, yeah. chunking with it. 
Man, can you imagine if you're weird. following behind this van and all of a sudden the back door is open, you see that fucking big pipe staring at you, but like I gotta get out of the out of the back of this. It's gonna launch. Yeah. Can you imagine I'm shooting you with weed? And like you, you get killed by weed and you're like up in heaven, like what happened? Like you got killed by like an eight hundred pound bag of weed. What if they like they set it on fire first and they launched it? Oh my god. <laughs> Everybody in the town of Douglas is like, What happened yesterday? <laughs> That's why they were looking at the security camera. They're wondering why they're all high. Something happened. They started singing Kumbaya and hanging out and hugging. It was beautiful. We had a yearly bonfire and all of a sudden some stuff came over the wall. And next day we were trying to figure out what happened. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Dude, they, they have the cop with the big gigantic bag of weed that he's taking oh. out of there. I'm like, it's almost like the size of a body. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty gigantic. That's a lot oh, of weed. God. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a. I love how they're like. <laughs> I love how they're like. They saw it on a security camera. I'm like, you know, the guys are like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I Do just wonder, really like, how long they were doing this before they actually got caught. Oh, they've been doing this for years. I'm sure. Yeah. Those guys. Well, they said this is like the the second or third like big cannon that they found. So, I, I gotta imagine it's a pretty ingenious idea. But they actually the... made a comment about drones too. I guess. They're trying to use drones. Well, you know how like Elon Musk started that boring company, like to yeah. make, to to make those like underground tunnels. I wonder if they're gonna do like an offshoot of that then next. Just like dig their own tunnels through. The Elon Musk weed hyperloop. <laughs> weed Elon Musk. <laughs> the weed hyperloop. You go from California to New York, boom. You want some California weed? Right through the hyperloop. That's true. Have it clear out the whole hyperloop. Like, yes, we have to send this big bale of weed just to clear out the hyperloop. It's like when you're at the bank, you know, in the back of the old days, and you had like that tube that you'd fire yeah. up your cash through. <laughs> well, like this clears out the. Weed. I can imagine Elon Musk like explaining, "Well, this, you know, this bag of weed clears out the tunnel. Well, why do we have to use weed? Well, you know, weed is calibrated to the size of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Why can't we just use hay? Well, you know, because hay's really not the same as weed." <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome definitely not the same <laughs> do you do you really want to say you're in a hyperloop that was cleared out by a bag of hay or by a bag of wheat just saying choose wisely <laughs> all right next up we got a story from the kato institute and it's saying that there is proof that states that have legalized marijuana have much less opioid have a much less opioid epidemic um so the research that was done here chris christie our pal who heads up the white house drug addiction task force claims that in 2015 doctors prescribed enough opioid painkillers to medicate every american adult for three weeks and there's proof that chris christie chris christie eats enough bacon egg and cheese sandwiches to kill an adult every three weeks taylor ham egg and cheese sandwiches Tailheim, egg and cheese. Um, they're saying that uh, deaths from opioid overdose have been steadily increasing, reaching a new peak of 33,000 in 2015. And for the first time, the majority of those deaths were from heroin overdose and the death rate from fentanyl overdose compromised over 4,000 of those deaths. Uh, research from the John Hopkins University and the University of Michigan have drawn a dramatic decrease in opioid use and overdose rates in states that have legalized marijuana for medicinal use. 
So here's a correlation that you can kind of get from that too. Like the article is actually saying, they're saying it's fair to say the deaths from opioid overdoses are the result of drug prohibition because they're cracking down on the availability of legal opioids. So what happens is people are going on the black market, either getting counterfeit or going with dangerous drugs like meth and, and heroin. Uh, and they're unreliable. They're from drug dealers and peddling cheaper and more powerful narcotics. And they're actually kind of saying that, like, you know, so the opioid problem you're having is because you're not legalizing something else. Well, because you've cracked down on actual legal opioids, right? So well, because you, all these doctors are there, their people want something for pain because they are in pain and they are the easy thing to prescribe because it's so strong. Yeah, is an opioid. Is an opioid. Oxycontin or something. Yeah. Right. So now if you look at medical marijuana, now that helps combat pain and and all the other, like a ton of different symptoms, you know, whatever you, you got seizures, you have like anxiety, all that stuff. And it's not addictive. So they're saying it's decreasing opioid use and overdose and, um, you know, addiction because they're legalizing marijuana. So it's kind of a, a you know, you can draw that, that correlation to say, look, because you're cracking down on opioids, what is, what is going to fill that void? Cause people are still going to go out and try to get what they want for their pain or for, for whatever is ailing them. Right. Yeah. So what are you going to fill that void with either illegal narcotics that are just highly addictive and horrible or legalized marijuana? And like you said, heroin, you know, people start with, with those addiction, with those um, prescriptions. So you have a prescription, you know, oh, my back hurts. I got, you know, I had this surgery, I had this and wow, this makes me feel really good. And that prescription runs out and you find out that, well, this is, I can get heroin for a 10th of the price. And yeah. once you go down that path, it gets really dark really quick. I know friends that are like, they were prescribed um, opioids when, when they came out of surgery. And they're like, you know what? Like they would suggest to anybody, take as little of the opioids as you can. You're going to be in pain. Just try to deal with some pain. Maybe take Advil or, or something else because they say they'll put you on like a 14-day prescription or a 10-day prescription. That's a lot for an opioid. You know, it's like you start getting addicted. I think it's... I. I thought I heard something about after like three days, you, you actually, your body actually starts like kind of craving it. Well, that's like scary. Very quick. Yeah. And that's just like a legal over the counter opiate. That's not talking about, you know, some other stuff that's taken the place, you know, mm -hmm. next up, there's a new study that actually explores the link of chemical links of cannabis exercise and sexual bliss. So, we're going to do a shout out to, is this the Johns Hopkins? No, the, the other one is John Hopkins. But anyway, so they're doing a um, journal of sex and medicine, uncovered a chemi chemical link between the human orgasm and the cannabis plant. So uh, what I got out of this was that they're drawing the correlation based on the chemicals that are uh, secreted when, I guess what they did was they uh, had some people masturbate and they looked at the chemical compounds that were produced by the body, and they saw a correlation in some of the stuff that they're, you're ingesting when you have um, marijuana. So they're saying uh, they're not a quite they're not that simple of results. They actually still have to do more tests. Which hey, who wouldn't want to do more tests on sex, right? Sex and and happiness, right? So I guess. High Times actually did a whole write-up on this, and they said there's cannabinoid receptors known as CD, CB1 and CB2. And they're saying the CB1 
are primarily in the brain and spine triggered by um, an endocannabinoid known as anamide. And it draws, uh, basically what that relates to is uh, the receptors in our brains and that helps us experience pleasure. Uh, and that's usually when we exercise. So now there's the B2, the CB2. Um, and that is affected by sexual pleasure. So it's kind of like, I guess, High Times did a bigger write-up on the difference of these and, and what that means is. So they were like, the role, reward, and consequences of sexual arousal and orgasm, uh, orgasm uh, tends... They're actually saying they have to further the study. Um, so it's so, promising. So it actually releases the same, the same kind of uh, endorphins as both exercise and orgasm. Right. So sex, orgasm, exercise, they all release those good endorphins, right? Mm -hmm. And they're saying that is kind of what you're getting uh, a little bit uh, from cannabis. This makes perfect sense why it's illegal then, because this would mean people would be happy and they wouldn't have to go out and you know, go lease a, a freaking Mercedes for a thousand dollars a month. And they wouldn't have to keep going to their job that they hate. And they have to keep working to keep paying for the stupid shit they don't really need, but they think they have to impress their neighbors and their friends with. They could just lay back, smoke a little weed, do some art, do a podcast, and then just chill out and be happy instead of just pumping up the uh the stock market and the gdp and the quarterly numbers you know exactly it's all makes perfect sense just why be happy you have to be a product in the world that we live in buy 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 consume 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 exactly. keep the beast rolling and moving Whew, well said finally because uh you know of this push towards legalization and this push to change the the classification the DEA, there is finally going to be more conclusive studies going on, which, you know, again, why, why just go, I learned in 1963 that this is bad. So it's going to be bad. Then it's going to be bad. Now we can't do anything with it. It's all horrible. Like, like some of the dummies in our government do. Now, I, think, I think you're right. It's like, we're able, we're actually looking to explore the stuff that we were told not to look at before. Like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want to look behind the curtain? Why wouldn't you want to understand, you know, whether it's marijuana or some other drug, meth, or or what what is it that's causing this to be that bad? Let's yeah, study and the, it. The people who do believe that are the ones who, whose businesses, whose careers, whose reputations have all been based on making sure that it is illegal and that it is considered bad and that by finding out information otherwise it would invalidate a lot of their belief systems that make up what defines them and right. that makes it very hard for someone to do and again it makes sense but eventually you know history will judge you as as evil and foolish I think it's a sign of where we've come to. Like, so like, I'm big because I, I I'm big on the Elon Musk book because I just read it. And, you know, it's fresh in my head. But there are a few things that like came out in that where he says like, you know, his attitude is we we haven't pushed since the industrial revolution. We haven't even looked or pushed ourselves to look for alternative uh, uh, fuels. 
um, diff better and different ways to do things like to manufacture products. Like we, we've, people have gotten rich on, on everything staying status quo. Why have Look we at our all current government? They want to pump money into coal. Yeah. So why have coal. we all sit down and like agreed to let these people lead us down a place where we know it's going to go. We know where it's going. Why not explore and, and, Give us the reality that we all thought we were going to get when we were little, when we were young, and we're watching cartoons, and everything's possible, you know? And now we're adults, and we're like, well, you know, we can't do this because that won't get funded for this. And and it's like you need people breaking that norm. You need the Amazon, you know, you need Bezos, and you need Elon Musk, and you need all these people, you know, Bitcoin to come around just to 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 shake things up and say, look, maybe you should think about things a different way because mm – -hmm. There is a different way to do things and still have a great life, even a better life. Why shouldn't you be pushing your everybody around you and the things that you do? You should, you know, I, I kind of generally subscribe to the, to the idea that you should feel a little bit uncomfortable about what you do every day because you need to push yourself. I mean, absolutely. Yep. Totally agree. And again, a lot of people are financially incentivized to not, try to seek out new things and change things right. oh you know what if we do that that's going to put that's going to increase our r&d numbers for the quarter and we're not going to make our revenue and our profit mar margin numbers that we promised <laughs> the shareholders there's so much of that bullshit that's driven by the stock market and these numbers that it it, it stifles innovation right it really does that, that does again stifle. back to yeah. elon musk we talked about that article last week in rolling stone and he said, I, sometimes I wish Tesla was not a public company because yeah. we have to disclose all this bullshit and we have to go and spend so much involved. time appeasing shareholders. Yeah. Um, that, that's time wasted that, would, that could be used for, for engineering and production. And it's not bad for the shareholders because you want to have that responsibility to shareholders because they're investing in you. They can't see the company. And you but want to support great companies. Company, like right. But Tesla. Right. But don't take your company public then. I think that's what he's saying is like, there's a time and place to take it. Like, that's why he doesn't want to take SpaceX public because he's like, it would stop me from going to Mars. And I think we need to keep pushing just the aerospace um, industry. We need to push ourselves to try to get there as human beings. And there's a greater reason to that. It's, it's, it's the survival of our species. I mean, I understand... A lot of people might not get into the survival of species that might get out there for a little too, whatever, esoteric for people. But, you know, we have a super volcano or a comet hit the planet. Everybody's going to be like, well, what did we do to make sure that our kids are alive? Nothing. We've done nothing. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, he, he's got that vision, which is great. And that's, yeah, he, he said, well, I think Tesla, he had to go public with because they they were just he needed the money. desperate needing money. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily SpaceX, they've been able to keep that private for now. Yeah. But yeah. But the good part about what he's done is he's fostered the idea for other people that, Hey, you know what? This is a concern or this is how we should do. Cause a lot of people are falling suit. I mean, Bezos is trying to get the space. Like everybody's trying to do the same thing now. Like they're, they're, they're seeing that vision and it's, unless you have somebody or a few people set that vision, it's not even looked at. Like people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You know, if you well, did that. Like you need someone to, to kind of, you know, if you have a wall, you need that 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 crazy person to take the ax and smash through that wall, you yeah. know. And then once the wall has been broken, 
other people will will also come through. And it, that's almost like it's metaphorical for like that idea, you know, yeah. like the idea of, oh, let's make an, uh, the most awesome car and make it electric. Let's go to Mars. You know, let's, let's, let's challenge the way everything is going right now. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the like, cool thing about the tech, this tech, you know, it, this cycle that we're in now, whatever you want to call it, this age of information, is that we there's this ability to share information and for people to get so wealthy, doing what they're doing that they can start taking these chances and and try these these crazy innovations. Yeah, it's like uh, so. Growing up, everybody loved Hang, right? And the whole idea <laughs> with that is Still it was do. created because they sent astronauts to Mars. I mean, to uh, to the moon. And like they sent people up in space. What are they going to drink out there? They need something powdered, whatever. That was a result of the space project. There's a lot of innovations technologically that came out of us trying to get to space, whether it's not even getting to space. It's a technology putting together a rocket, putting together all this other shit. SpaceX has proved like they're, they're doing stuff with the way they weld stuff. And then they're putting it into the cars. And now they're pushing all the other car makers to make things more efficiently and better because they have a different technique to do things. It's like that technology just, it goes through your entire ecosystem of your ecosystem of your culture and the world. It, it's, it's incredible. So do you think that soda stream that they'll be putting their powdered champagne on any of the SpaceX missions to Mars? I would argue that soda stream came about from the space, from going into space. How are you going to get so is I it possible that Elon Musk is an investor in SodaStream so that when they go to Mars, they can have champagne on the flight? You know he doesn't own it already. Oh. The shell company. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, also, too, imagine if the Scottish had a space program. Everything would be like <laughs> powdered whiskey. Guinness would be powdered Guinness. Could you snort powdered whiskey? What would happen? Damn, could, you, like could you cut it with cocaine? Hmm. I don't know. Powdered whiskey. Why so not? So all you got to do, it's kind of like we talked about the ice beer, right? Where you just freeze it. Yeah. Not getting rid of any of the alcohol. It's just like actually dehydrating it through freezing. That might work. You, I think you're onto something. Again, these, there's been much smarter people out there than me who've started this, this idea and I'm just kind of running with it. The problem with a beer or something is you're not going to get the carbonation back, right? Right. Unless you put carbonated water in it. So if you have Guinness powder and you put carbonated in it, but it's got to be nitrogen car. Like, what do you do? Mm. Guinness powder on nitro? All right, we got one more. We're still in the gondola. It was a long a long trip up today. It's, uh, a, it's a fun gondola. Yeah, some good stories this past week. So the Standard Hotel out in California, they are uh, opening their first in-hotel dispensary. Uh, California, I think they're officially going legal January 1st of 2018. Ooh. And they, so they formed a partnership with Lord Jones. And we tweeted out a story last week from, I'm trying to remember if it was, was it Vice or was it, I think it was something else. But the article, they, um, they talked about how they started taking those Lord Jones CBD gummies and life has been so much better. Oh, yes. And they said they're like, <laughs> what, like $5 each or something like that? Yeah, they're not cheap. I think it's like, yeah, nine nine for 45 bucks. So like they around five bucks. Awesome. But they're, they're legal everywhere. They're just CBD. Um, so that's the Lord Jones is that company, but they also make THC products. 
But yeah, the standard hotel is going to have their own like high end, uh, best in class cannabis infused products available to both hotel guests and the neighborhood. Nice. And they're going to also come up with some exclusive range of co-branded THC and hemp derived CBD products that will eventually be available to guests at all standard hotels across the nation. Oh, that's freaking awesome. I got to book a room there just to hang out. Right. Boom. Maybe it's Imagine that. Like, yes, I'll order room services. Bring me some CDB stuff. Yeah. Like put it next to your, uh, filet mignon. Yeah. Have it ready when you come home after going out. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up the, uh, the long trip in the gondola this week. Let's go Finally. Let's go to Ski News. Boom, Ski News. All right. All right can pick it off there, Mario? Yeah, so there was a winter storm warning for Hawaii last week. For uh, where? Hawaii. Aloha, motherfuckers. Snow's <laughs> coming. So they must have been like, aloha, you better stock up on spam because snow's coming. <laughs> uh, biggest spam population loving per capita in the world. Um, they could probably survive for like a few weeks snowed in. If you think about it, every household must have a little bit of spam. I think it's part of their, uh, yeah, their, their requirements as being Hawaiians. If you have a go have bag, six cans. That's right. If you have a go bag, you should have a little can of spam in there. I got to put that in there. What about a Hawaiian spam drone? Uh, oh, like the milkman. He said the milkman here drove the car, dropped off the milk. In Hawaii, they have a uh, a spam drone. You know what my comment's going to be? Spam blimp. Why spam drone blimp. it when you could blimp it? It's true. Spam. Just parachute spam. it down like the Hunger Games. Spam's pretty heavy. <laughs> parachute <laughs> spam. That's right. Spam's pretty heavy. Just saying. All right. So the forecast was for eight inches, four to eight inches of snowfall. They closed roads on uh, Mauna Kea, um, winter storm warning. So it went through. The aftermath of that is they had up to eight inches of white snow on the volcanic mountain on the islands. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. So they actually have, uh, Newsweek actually put um, a whole bunch of pictures on the article we have a link on. And uh, it was pretty awesome. They're saying while the temperature was a mild 75 degrees uh, on the average for Hawaii, up on uh, Mauna Kea, the highest peak of the Big Island, it was close to freezing with winds whipping at 25 miles an hour. Wow. Only 25 miles an hour. You go skiing right there. Boom. There's actually a bunch of those, you know, those like old schooly, like 1950s, 60s looking ski posters. Oh yeah. They have one that says ski Mauna Kea. Uh, mm. Cause you can ski there pretty much every year, but it's, I mean, some of the runs, it's like super short depending on how much snow they get. Hey, but, but you're doing like that. And then you're sitting by the beach and surfing afterwards. Dude, it's like one of my bucket list things to do is to ski in Hawaii. All right, we got to plan that. That's good. Okay, that, that could be. Because I've been to Hawaii and I haven't either. I've been to Mauna Kea. I've been to the Big Island, but we never made it up to Mauna Kea, the Keck Observatory, all that. Which wow. I've never been to Hawaii, so I don't, you know, I don't even know if it, it exists. <laughs> Hawaii does not suck. <laughs> if anybody's been to Hawaii, listen to this podcast, let us know. If it's awesome or if it sucks, I don't know. Imagine, imagine you're Florida, minus most of the people, and way better. Actually, it's nothing like Florida. It's almost like it's the same the same climate, but everything else is the opposite. All right. 
Does everybody say aloha and eat spam? Um, they have pig roast and they have poi. Ah, oh, poi I heard it's is like not, not good. greatest like, for the palate. Or? It's like a smashed up root. And it oh, just tastes like almost like glue or mm. water. Like water and flour almost. Water and flour, delicious. But when you've had like six rum drinks, <laughs> like six Mai Tais. Why don't you do the, what the, what's the drink thing? Soda Stream Poi. Soda Stream Poi. Now, what is it? Is it the Mai Tai? Like, there's what's like the Hawaiian drink? I thought it was a Mai Tai now. Maybe it is a Mai Tai. I remember having like seven of those like in like the pool the one time. Uh, going to a nice pig roast, <laughs> having some pig and some poi, like pineapples. Like, I can't walk around with like, oh, there's another pig roast. I'm going to just stop in. Life is good. Barbecue. It oh, doesn't suck, cool. Hawaii. Let's just put it that way. All right. Doesn't suck. It's on the doesn't suck list and on the bucket list to ski it. Yes. If anybody skied Hawaii, let us know. Because I don't think, I think we you, you hike up and you ski down, right? I think so. I'm not sure if there's even a lift there. Got to do it on shorts, man. But what would be awesome is imagine doing like a week at like Revelstoke and then flying down to Hawaii for a week. I'll do a week in Hawaii. Right after. Yeah. Right after being skiing. That's what I'm saying. I'm skiing the whole time. <laughs> You'd be skiing for 10 minutes. I ski Hawaii the whole time. Ski Hawaii. <laughs> Back country in Hawaii. Back country Hawaii, baby. <laughs> Dude, if you had a, uh, a steep and deep camp in Hawaii, I bet you a bunch of people would show up. It's true. <laughs> like Steve Deep's camp is like maybe an hour <laughs> and then hang out and go surfing and shit like that. Yep. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, that's the idea of the innovation of the yacht to yurt. Yacht to yurt. You could have a yurt up by the volcano. That would be great. Volcano, yurt, ski down, yacht. Just saying. Sounds good to me. All plays in. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a story uh, in the Economist, and it was—it's just where to ski, how to get the best piece for your money. And they did a a nice tabulation here. They talked about you know, how expensive ski trips are, and they analyzed fifty of the world's most popular destinations, including the Alps, North America, Europe and the rest of the world and they um they talked to, what's that i like the chart it's pretty cool it's a nice infographic they created i didn't realize that was that, that high up on the uh price indeed That's so they said yeah a nine-day break will typically cost more than four thousand dollars for ski passes and four-star accommodations based on the data from expedia uh, they broke down. Um, hey, Ishkel's there. That it could cost like twenty six hundred. So what they're saying is they're trying to figure out like, um, you know, which resorts are the best bang for your buck based on information and reviews from SkiResort.info and SnowForecast.com, um, as well as Expedia for the uh, the prices of the hotels. So they're showing on the chart. It has like the top, uh, the uh, the y-axis is the cost. So it's got between 8,000 and zero. And then the x-axis is starting from cheap and low rating to high rating. So it's the lowest rating is three and the highest is five. 
And on the list, so you want to be on the bottom right quadrant, I think is what they're if you saying. could, as yeah, as as far right and as far down as you can be. We got to go to a Meyerhofen. Meyerhofen, yeah. Kitzbühel, Schladming, Kitzbühel, and Kaltenbach, which are probably all in Austria. Nice. Um, is Kitzbühel in Germany or Austria? Not Kitzbühel is Austria. How about Meyerhofen? That could be either one of those. So um, at the very top and to the right was Vale, like you mentioned, and it shows so it's cool. Like each one of the the you know the uh, points on the graph or the infographic is based on uh, the length of the pieces. So yeah. you know they have um, oh my god, how do you say is it Korshavel? Korshavel, yeah. Korshavel, uh, like often is uh, Austria. It is, yeah. So Korshavel is like huge because it has like the most skiable terrain. Um, vale is good size. Telluride they have on there is tiny. Telluride's got about a 4.45 as the ratings. And wow. it's between six and five and six thousand dollars. Uh damn. So then you have things that are cheap and low ratings, like a Shadog. I don't even know where that would be. That like something like skiing in Iran. Uh, oh, maybe. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Azerbaijan, not too far off. Azerbaijan, yeah. Well, it's got a four point six according to uh, this review here. Is Korshava part of one of the other? I think it didn't it absorb something recently. Part of the three valleys. It's part of Valtorens. Oh, it is. Okay. I'll be there. There you go. Yeah, it's course. Of, uh, what are the three valleys? You know, that's a good question. Everybody says just the three valleys. What are they? <laughs> there is I asked my my boss, my new boss, like, and he's French. I'm like, so what's the three valleys? He's like, oh, Le Trois Valley. I'm like, <laughs> okay, what is that? <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna ask you again. You just say. Le Trois-Valais, I guess. I have to say it right. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, they don't, they don't. So this is a pretty cool chart. Yeah, we'll have the link on here, and you can uh, you can check it out and see what you think about the way all these are rated. Yeah, I, I like the little chart. The chart really... Montremblant is not too bad, I got to say. Yeah. Good bang for your buck there. Depends, you know. I tell you what, driving from the northeast right there, five six hours, uh, it's up to up to eight, depending on where you live. Uh, not bad, especially with the Canadian dollar. It depends what you're going for. Yeah, I mean, no, just for hanging out and checking it out. It's a it's a cool little village town. But if you're going for like, you know, really good skiing, you can you can find something a lot closer. Yeah, that's true. Whistler's not that bad. I can't believe Vale is so up there. Yeah, super expensive. Wow, Telluride's in the middle of the road. Telluride's awesome. So uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I agree so much with these results because a lot of too, you know, they have these uh, these average user ratings, and some people are like, "Well, I was there and it didn't snow." It's like, well, yeah. that's not the mountain's fault, or there was no easy terrain for me to ski on, and I suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you're know, just horrible. Well, there was an ad. I I, I thought we had it in the the notes for this podcast but i guess we didn't but there was a um i i saw an article this week and they were showing how 
one resort took a low rating and it was Snowbird. Oh and yeah, yes. Did you they, see that? They turned it into the, uh, they the got benefit. A one, out of, one out of five on, I forget if it was Yelp or Google or something. And it was this guy, Greg from California, who was like, this, everything is so steep here. And I had to even, like, go. How do you uh, even like, board Snowbird this? Spotlight's the one star rating in the latest ad campaign. Oh, it's so awesome. And like the picture <laughs> is just like perfectly breathtaking of like, you know, it's probably coming off the tram. Greg in LA. <laughs> coming off the tram, you're going down and you have like the view of like the valley in the distance. I guess like Salt Lake City in the valley. Um, and it's just perfect powder, and this guy is just bombing down it, and it has like the one star review, and it's yes. Greg and Ali, he said, "quote I heard Snowbird is a tough mountain, but it this is ridiculous. I felt like every trail was a steep chute or littered with tree wells. How is anyone supposed to ride that? Not fun. You know what, Greg? Maybe you should fucking go somewhere else. Go to Mountain Creek in New Jersey. It's really good for your speed. Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, this is your sport, then, Greg, because Snowbird is one of the best places on the planet. I love the article. One poster suggested the Bunny Hill, a term for a beginners area, for Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and it's funny. Another post wrote, "This ad is basically the bird giving the bird to people who ski a few runs and they go to the lodge and relax." And then a few runs and they go have some wine and fondue, etc. Which, you know what? On certain days, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, nothing wrong with that at all. But don't go out west to ski little baby hills. Just saying. It's yeah, out west. Well, I guess for him, it's east. Out east, yes. In California. It's your LA. You know, you don't have whatever. Yeah. Whatever, dude. Just saying. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Isn't that his, great? His review was bad. awesome. I was like, steep shoots and, and fucking tree walls. Yes. Thank you, Greg, for verifying. I think that. I I think we retweeted it and sent it on Facebook. And I was like, we agree with everything except for the <laughs> one star review. Yes. That's what makes it a five star review. Yeah, we pretty said it's a five star review. Yeah. Well, plus the bird is like, I mean, last year was the first time I went to the bird, and I tell you what. You basically bring a big boy pants, go out there to ski, and you don't plan on doing anything other than ski, sleep, eat, and ski again. And we had pretty, pretty shitty conditions too. It was a little, little soggy. It was super windy. <laughs> we had um, shitty conditions in about five people to a two-person room. <laughs> oh God, we had so many beds. <laughs> we're back <laughs> stealing cots. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, right. People left the cot in the hall. We're like we're rolling that shit. We stole the cot. Yeah, awesome. we're like we have more people. We're like no, no, you can't have a cot. You got too many people. <laughs> like, had, what, was it seven people in a, like a two-person room? Uh, it was horrible. But I'm like, I just want to get some sleep and go fucking skiing again. It was, it was so ghetto. Yeah. But yeah, that that mountain is just—it's so much fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was only two days. We're like, yeah, we're going over to Park City after. It yeah. yeah, it was all right. The cot stealing was great. Uh, <laughs> whoever's cot we stole, sorry, dude. It was it was no, free they for checked all. Out. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, they were checked out. I don't think anybody. Went... Well, I think we asked the front desk, like, can we have some more cots? They're like, no. <laughs> Wait, you have like two of them in there. You, you can't have, have any get more. another room. That's and how like it's fire code. Again. Like, really? Like. Come on. And we're like trying to sweet talk her back. Like, please come on, help us out. Come on, girl. <laughs> come on, girl. And then we're drinking free coffee. <laughs> we're Taking going down to a lot of napkins. We're eating like, oh, you have uh, like 
No, it's an almond bar. Here. Yeah, we're just going to eat these. <laughs> like, that was breakfast. <laughs> it was pretty ghetto. It was awesome. I love it there. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, then we have uh, next up, we got the Skier's Guide to Baggage Fees. So Powder Magazine put out like a just a quick little blurb review of like which – what are the baggage fees for like all the airlines? And basically, um, Air Canada, first bag free. Uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty embracing. Uh, Southwest, all bags are free. And then Alaska, American Delta Frontier, United, 25 for your first bag. Unless I know United, if you have like United card and you, you whatever, member, you get your first bag free. And then it's um, actually 35 for your second bag. 25 or 35. So the big thing with these though is definitely check with the airline because some of them have different rules. They have different weights and they have different rules on like what consists of a bag. So if you're a snowboarder, you have your board in the bag and that could be of like 50 or 60 pounds depending on the airline, right? If you're a skier, you have your boot bag, you're allowed a boot bag and a ski bag. Both of those can't total more than 50 or 60 pounds usually like i usually fly united so it's like 50 pounds um so just kind of look at it and just pack accordingly and you know if you have one bag you fit your boots like i know people that have skis and they put uh everything in a snowboard bag because they're nice and big and they put the boots and the skis everything in there and they just make sure it's not over 50 pounds and it's better than having two bags so oh that makes sense yeah and if you go to Europe, like uh, Swiss Air does skis and boots like free. They don't even care. They're like, nope, we're you guys just bring that shit on. Who cares? That doesn't even count as baggage. It's part of you. Beautiful. Yeah. So definitely look at, you know, if you're going to travel, look at the, because uh, it gets, it adds up. I mean, it's 25 bucks for a bag and that's each way. So it's 50 bucks. I mean, that's adding on, you know. And if you're going with someone else or a family like that, that really does add up quick. Yeah, and if you have a second bag, now it's 35 bucks, so it's 25 plus 35 each way. I mean, now you're talking about, do I just buy an extra seat for my shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. Or just, you know, ship, have it shipped out there by UPS or something. Or just rent. <coughs> yeah, depending on how much the rentals are, right? Mm-hmm. All right, next up. This is for our buddy Greg, the, uh, the Snowbird fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Year-round skiing and riding in the Bay Area Kickstarter campaign to bring indoor skiing to San Francisco. There's a uh, a Kickstarter campaign which I think they've they've actually exceeded their goal at this point. Yeah, they're funded. They're going. They're funded, right? Yeah, they're, they're funded. Still, uh, is it still think, going or are they done? No, I think they ended it the 25th or 20th, just before Thanksgiving. Okay, they just ended it, so it's called Urban Snow. And their goal was to get twenty thousand dollars, and they raised twenty thousand four hundred and fifteen. Yeah. It's like it was like that episode of Silicon Valley when like they were tr- the guy was trying to like uh, crowdfund his thing. Oh, and, like, didn't he it, get? It was, it was uh, Dinesh's cousin. He, yeah, he got Dinesh's he did, cousin in, and he's yep. like, "I'll give you five thousand bucks, no problem. I'm doing great." Gilfoyle <laughs> uh, like rigged it and like made sure he just went over his uh, what he needed like the last second. That's awesome. So Dinesh would have to pay. <laughs> he's hoping it wouldn't get funded and get his money back. That's right. That's why he's putting money in. Yeah. He's not going to be funded. So they created this, they're cre- going to create this place called Urban Snow. So it's going to be 
a indoor ski and snowboard center and fitness facility coming to the Bay Area. Uh, it'll be affordable, close to where you live and work. You can have a clinic or lesson to build new skills. Then you can spend time on the slopes or at the gym with friends and family. And you can meet new skiers and riders. That's kind of their goal, which is nice. Dude, this looks awesome. So in a way, think about it. If you're going to go to like, oh, I can go to a, a spin class or I can go ski on this thing for an hour at lunchtime. You know, like why yeah. would you go ski on this thing at lunchtime? It's almost like a, a gym that you can ski at. I mean, it's not going right. to be the same, but it's going to be way better and way more fun than, yeah, again, running on a treadmill or, you know, something like that. Oh, definitely. And when you get the benefit, like, so if you look at the Kickstarter page, they actually have pictures of it and like what it's going to be like. And it's, it's kind of like this, um, probably like a tech fiber carpet, <clears throat> like a, um, whatever neoprene or polypropylene, whatever, whatever it is. And they have like something special on the boards and skis and you're skiing down. So it's kind of cool. Like they actually said, they're going to change up the contour of everything. So it's like, it's almost like a skate park built for snowboarders and skiers yeah yeah so it, it, it's it, kind of nice like synthetic snow that's kind of that doesn't require cold right doesn't require cold they don't have to blow any snow it's just like a carpet thing and they they can change around the configuration just by like changing you know what's underneath which is kind of cool mm-hmm. so it looks it looks kind of fun i mean if they had this at a gym like nearby that would be definitely a draw for somebody like me Especially down here. So is it pretty much like, yeah, almost like a giant ramp you go down? Yeah. I mean, they're not blowing snow and it's not cold. I mean, there's people in like, you know, they're showing the the demos of it. It's like you're out in the sun, you're out, it's beautiful weather out, and you're just kind of going down on your board or skis. Yeah, this is interesting. I guess. Uh... Imagine doing moguls, mogul runs in like June. Be great, man. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if this is really like almost like a like a hat like a quarter pipe like a tall quarter pipe, and you gotta you know go down. And I, I guess you have to just unbuckle and walk back up, right? That's it's like a staircase and kind of climb up. Yeah, it's almost like a skate park. Mm-hmm. You have you know like a snow-like ramp carpet thing that you're gonna. Not skate on, board on, or so it's going to be. They need a five-story building with thirty thousand square feet. That's what the uh, with this Kickstarter, what they were trying to raise money for. Nice. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. That'd be, so, I, I've, I've you've never have you ever skied on that synthetic snow? I didn't. There's a place down here. Um, I think it's called Bill Jackson's Outdoor, and they have like, it's like a rolling carpet that's made out of like that stuff, and it basically you you get on it, and then it's like a simulator of like it's like a treadmill for like skiing and boarding, and you can actually ski on it, and they do lessons and everything for everybody down here, which is kind of cool. Isn't that when we talked to your nephew? Yeah, yeah, I went with him to that, and. Uh, He's a big outdoor guy. So, uh, yeah, we, we talked about that. We went, we actually, I actually went with him to that. So it was pretty fun. But even like, so in this area, like I said, there's, there's a lot of people that are into skiing. So, uh, Florida, 
you know, right now, this time of year, they actually have a bunch of events. So St. Petersburg right now, it's like today was like 80 degrees, 77 degrees or whatever. High, sunny out, beautiful. This weekend, they're going to have St. Petersburg. They have a real snow event where they, where they truck in 64 tons of like snow, probably shaved ice. Mm -hmm. And they have people sled and toboggan down it. So it's kind of cool. They like blow it on some little hill because right. everything's pretty flat and they just have people go. Um, and they're going to have something uh, next. So that's the third. And then Saturday they have one going in Oldsmar, which is also by St. Petersburg. So they have like stuff like that all, all around just to kind of get, you know, I guess give people a view to what it's like. I'm going to break out my fucking DPSs and go nuts on that thing. There you go. Make it happen. You should like, uh, just record some video. Post that. Oh, I'm going to YouTube the shit out of that, man. We're going to Instagram it. I'm going to skate. I'm going to ski over people. It's going to be It's going to be nuts. They're going to kick me out, I got to say. Let them know what's up. What's up? What's up? Oh, I'm going to handprint some highfalutin ski bum shirts and put them on all the kids, too. Nice. There you go. <laughs> little marketing. There you go, Timmy. How about a shirt? So... All right, and then uh, last but not least, we have uh, so Arcteryx Backcountry Ski and Snowboard Academy. So Brian, you found this. I don't know how you found it. I like I looked up the um, Steep and Deep Camp because I was thinking about like I should probably do the Steep and Deep Camp because that'd be fucking awesome. We actually ran into a guy that we knew in Mount Snow that did it right. Yeah, and he used to do it every year. Freaking pretty good mogul skier, but uh, yeah, Steep and Deep Camp was pretty cool. But Arcteryx is sponsoring a ski and uh, Ski and Snowboard Academy, Jackson Hall, February 8th through 11th. So just for a few days, four days, they have clinics, seminars, all related to backcountry skiing and snowboarding. They have um, uh, professionals out there, professional instructors, guides. Like it, It's supposed to be a real deal. Like If you look at the site, they have a lot of stuff on there. So uh, if you yeah, guys want to sponsor like different... us, Brian, I'll go out there. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, there's like different kinds of classes for it you know there's like women's intro to backcountry intro to splitboarding intermediate backcountry tour um you know more of an advanced mountaineering um ski touring so there's a lot of different sessions that you can do during that weekend uh i mean they all look fantastic so really yeah. cool and you're in Jackson Hole, so the benefit of going to Jackson Hole is that you get to eat the, at the uh, Jackson Waffle House. What, what is the name of that? The Jackson, uh, the hut? The top. Oh, uh, Corbett's Cabin? Corbett's Cabin. God, they love them waffles. They were delicious. So the skiing's great and everything, but the goddamn waffles up there are awesome. <laughs> I gotta say, I think about those a lot. Because I'm a waffle guy. I'm like, I'm a primary. Waffles, number one. I got to say pancakes number two or three, but breakfast foods, waffles, definitely cream of the crop up there. You need to get a waffle bot. Damn. No, it doesn't taste the same unless you're up at the top of Corbett's. That's true. Just saying. Just saying something about being there, eating a, eating a waffle with Tommy Mo. <laughs> just kind of. That was pretty special. Not the same. Well, also but, the waffles in uh, Whistler were pretty awesome too. Yeah, they were right. I had a little undercooked bacon. so I was just, Well, that's I was the problem there. is that Canada, you got to get your bacon game straight. Yeah. This, they're like boiling bacon. 
Yeah, who the fuck boils bacon? Come on, man. Come on. You gotta come on, man. You guys are better than that. Hey, all I know is the thing I liked about Corbett's Cabin was we got three things on the menu. There's no gluten-free. There's no special order. There's no fucking... You take it one of three ways, that's what you get. Order, move to the next line, that's what you get. Simple. That's what I love about it. Yep. Very simple. Just order your goddamn waffle and move along. If you don't like something, pick it off. That's right. Give Give it to your friend next to you. How about that? Go to Applebee's. That's right. Get off the mountain and go to Applebee's. Go to LA and ski with Gary or Glenn, whatever the fuck uh, that guy's name was. Right. <laughs> At this point, I don't really care. That's right. <laughs> Starts with a V, ends with a Gina. Yeah, that guy. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All, right. All right. And that wraps up Ooh. the old ski news for the week. We fired up of a goddamn waffle. Thanks, Glenn or Gary or whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> God damn, make me mad that you get one star now. All right, you're okay. Keep it together. It's all good. That's hey, okay. I haven't seen snow this year. I'm a little repressed. I can imagine. Damn it. That's why you guys, That's I guess that's why Florida, they start doing all that crystal meth. You know, they just uh, they need something white in their lives or clear damn. or blue, whatever color it is. And you know what keeps us going? A nice ski movie. Mm. So, Brian, what are we talking about this week? Quite a lovely tie in there. Wear the shit out of that thing. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the latest Warren Miller movie that came out, Line of Descent. It, uh, it premiered in our area two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, recording this on the, uh, well, it's now the December 1st. We started recording this on November 30th, but got a little late. Three hours so, later, we're on December Three 1st. hours later, yeah. So I went to the premiere in Morristown, New Jersey, and we've gone the last couple years, the last three years, we've we've gone to this event. And I got to say, the the first thing I noticed was how much more crowded it was this year than either of those previous two years. Wow. Now, All right, so would you say how much more crowded was it from the last few years? Probably 30 to 50% more crowded. That's huge. Like significantly more crowded. Now, the um, day that it was on... Was that was that? That was my first thought. Changer? It was a Friday versus okay. a Thursday or a Wednesday. Nice. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. Uh, last year it was I forget if it was I think it was a Wednesday last year, but I also remember it was the last. It was Game Seven of the World Series. Oh, that's bad. Cubs and Indians. Oh, that's right. Everybody's looking for the Cubs. Yeah. That was a big one. Um, the year before, I don't. I think it was a Thursday, but yeah, for some reason this time it was, it was jammed. Like we got there a tiny bit later before right, it had just started and we had trouble finding seats. Like it was really, yeah. Wow. It was and were there fights? Was there a lot of rowdiness going? Yeah. You know, there is that, that <laughs> certain North Jersey-ness that it definitely had to it where people were super pushy and, you know, Elbowy boxing people out at the uh, all right. you know the the free Esther C giveaway and or there's the, a lot of people getting the free stuff. Yeah, you know how that goes. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of uh, jockeying for position and getting your free Gore Mountain tote bag and blah blah blah. Like giveaways, good giveaways or no? Good give. Yeah, they were solid. You know, a lot of free lift tickets and you know the trips that they give away are always awesome. Um, but. Uh, I don't know what it was, but 
this movie of the last three that we've seen, this one I just felt was was significantly better than the previous two. I don't know why. I don't know. The music was awesome in it. There's a uh, so what was about the music? Uh, any people that you remember, or just good music? It's just stuff that I like. Like they had like DJ Shadow. They had Tycho. They oh, nice. had um. There was this the one song. And I thought it was in the trailer, but I looked at the trailer afterwards and it wasn't. Um, there's a song during the Montana bit called Free Animal by the band Foreign Air. I must have listened to that song like 15 times the weekend after watching that movie and got so psyched up. Nice. So, yeah. And the so last. It got the you psyched song, up then, huh? The final song was The War on Drugs, which and I'm a huge fan of them so there was like i for the music that i like it was like littered with that it was so good um but it was i don't i don't i, I honestly i can't put my finger on why i liked it so much more you know it was nothing really you know a lot of the great locations that you always see i mean they had jackson hole in there they showed tommy mo which was really cool Tommy with him they had you know they had the, the typical great spots so they did jackson hole they did Steamboat, Colorado. They did. They started in Fernie, British Columbia, and then they went to uh, Tromso Alpine Park in Norway, which is right on the fjords in like the northwestern coast. Oh, nice! How was that? Oh, that was breathtaking. Like the views, totally insane. And they were they were going as like a a spring ski trip, but so they what's had the this... over under on going to there. Huh. Well, Same. I learned that my father in law who he was supposed to move late next year to Norway is moving in January. <clears throat> like Love January 1st, like moving to Norway. So and is there a chance to bum around with him and be like, what's up, man? I kind of want to be like his lackey because he's got a really good job. So maybe they can. He's listening to his podcast. Like, hey, you know, we could check it out for you. Just see how the scene is down there. Just well, He's in really like, he's almost in like as southern Norway as you can possibly be. Well, not exactly. Kind of like. Deep south of Norway? 30 south. Deep south of. It's like the Alabama of Norway. Nor Alabama. Nor Balma, yeah. It's like Jersey, Alabama. Well, it's the opposite of the country from where the movie part. I was really looking. It's only about, it's three and a half hours to. Treisel, I think it's pronounced Treisel, which was on that chart of the the best you know ski value places. Where is Giovanni Hendrickson? That's what I want to know. He's in Oslo. No, he was in Lillehammer, obviously. Lillehammer, Norway, man. Lillehammer is about two and a half hours away from where he's going to live. So, right, so we'll go visit him. Not far. It's After pretty much from here to drive, Hunter. Driving exam. <laughs> here to Hunter, so not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. So I will. Uh, in the next couple of years, I will definitely be making. A uh, Norwegian ski trip, which would be an going to be an awesome podcast, be able to talk about that. Yeah, um, but they we'll also this year. He's moving like January of 2018. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I'm going to try to organize. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? So I really have no excuse not to be skiing in Norway in the next few years. So that'll be cool to check out. Yeah. And uh, luckily, you know, I've I've met his. Well, it's a whole weird thing. But yeah, some of his new family, I'll say in quotes. All right. Uh, some of them are, are big skiers, so I have some connections already. People I can go around with and, you know, 
you're gonna be like, yeah, let's go out for the whole day. And they were like, yes, we do the cross country. You're like, oh, god damn it. I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's big that it's big over there, right? Cross country. Oh, that's gigantic. Well, that's yeah. why it's Nordic skiing, you know. Nordic skiing is like the cross country stuff, and alpine skiing is the downhill stuff. It's on the Nordic track, right? North, exactly. <laughs> they just sit inside. It's like the Peloton thing. That that's was the original right. Peloton. Inside, you're just doing these things. They got Looks this high check out. on the Lord. They're being like, come on, you can do it. Nordic track. Ah, <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so after Norway in the movie, they went to Glacier Country, Montana, which they did last year also with all the snowmobiling and stuff, which was cool. Oh, they did the whole snowmobile thing? Yeah, yeah. Mustang Lodge in British Columbia. Nice. Beartooth Highway. Um, New Zealand. They did uh, Cook, Mount Cook. Uh, Squaw Valley Alpine and then Val d'Isere, and then Silverton. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they had some pretty awesome spots. Um, you know, the the Squaw Alpine was awesome because of what a great year they had with snow. They were showing, like, because, you know, Johnny Mosley, that's where he's from, so he's, like, the, the voiceover and, like, you know, the epic Olympic skier. They were showing his roof, and they, he must have had, like, two feet of snow on the roof Damn. and they almost could walk up to it from how much snow was on the ground like it oh, was wow. just ridiculous how much snow they had and it was cool because he was showing him like skiing with his sons and they were going around and you know for, in my life right now that's uh that's kind of the mindset i'm starting to have now you know how am i gonna my little guy he's obviously way too young now but the whole thought of how do you introduce them to the sport and how do you make them fall in love with it? Like you love it. So dude, buy the camper now buy the Airstream. Do it now. Dude, I was looking at property in Vermont the last couple of weeks. I was like, just buy some land and then just bring the Airstream and just dump it out there. I'm saying yeah. just a little, a little lot. That's all you need. A little parking spot. Just go check in. Uh, you know, you can find the local cafe, check in for the Wi-Fi once in a while and go back to the Airstream. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah, mention that to Andrea and see what she thinks about it. Oh, I, I will. I'm going to have a long talk with her. Just Shh. wait for Christmas, buddy. It's coming up. Merry you, Christmas. Merry she, Christmas now. I'm saying it now. <laughs> she would hate life more than anything. She's she's fantastic, but you talk about living in a trailer. Listen, we did that RV trip a couple of years ago. <laughs> that was like yeah. two days and it killed you, right? It was three days. But then again, there was a dog and several other people, oh, that's which right. made it a lot worse. <laughs> Especially because the dog was an asshole. Ah, oh, the asshole dog too. Uh, was an, hey, he just they didn't train him right, and he was just super hyper. Uh, yeah. you don't want a dog in your RV. If it's like a chill dog and you like you know trained it properly, then maybe but exactly like an asshole dog. You don't want that. Or if you have enough weed for the dog, then it's all right. You know, little Same. biscuits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some of the highlights, yeah, they were showing like Jackson Hole. Now we walked in as the Jackson Hole bit was going on. So I missed the the very beginning, but I think they were showing uh, Tommy jumping into Corbett's because we were nice. talking and he said that's like his favorite run. Yep, pretty cool. Um, the Norway part, they were just—I mean—the views were just unreal because they were on the fjord. Uh, nice. The glacier country again—they're showing the dudes a lot of like snowmobiling and and the—I mean—the the powder up there is unbelievable. Uh, Mustang Lodge in British Columbia was that was the part I think where they were showing those dudes. Remember last year in the movie, they had the guys doing the, uh, the surfing, like the snow surfing where they did had the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the snowboards. Yeah. The bindings. They were doing yes, that. The guy makes his own boards. 
yeah, they were showing that guy and he had a couple of buddies and they were talking about like, you know, we're not going to be doing these big launching flips and everything. Cause we can't because the, yeah. the there's no bindings. Dylan having a nice time on the board. We were like, no yeah, you take these big wide cruiser turns and you're doing these jumps. And he's oh, like, boarding he's like or it looked like I've never really looked at snowboarding, but like that looks like so much fun. Where Watching the guys on those boards, they looked like a lot of fun, which was really cool. So they, they showed that. Um, and then Beartooth Highway, that was when they had a couple, I'm trying, there was like two famous skiers and they were showing them and they had like, it was weird because they were showing the sponsors because this is like the Beartooth Highway was right after the intermission. And then we showed a list of the sponsors there before the, um, you know, the, the bit starts and they're showing it and they're like, one of the sponsors is Ducati. And I'm like, you know, when Ducati. I think skiing, the first company I think of is Ducati. Of course. Smart ass joke. And then like the next thing they showed, they were showing them uh, like cruising up the mountain with their on Ducatis. Ducatis with the skis in the side. Fuck yeah. Um, nice. So that was pretty neat. Back All right. So down. Mustang Powder is right outside of Revelstoke. Uh, not too far from Banff. Yeah. Like, like that's the powder highway up there. Like just fantastic. I know people that did Banff. They said it's freaking awesome too. Um, yeah. So the, up at Beartooth, it was, uh, Michael Schaefer and Kalen Thorian. So it was cool. Like they're showing the, the motorcycles. They had their skis and their motorcycles. Now, again, if I had to give a ding to any Warren Miller, Miller movie and this one particularly, it's the cheesy product placement. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Where they'll be like showing like, oh look, a can of goslings, you know. Uh, nice. But so with this one, they um so they they have the those Ducatis and then that whole thing they were talking about was these two living in an airstream that was pulled by a Volkswagen, you know, both sponsors, obviously. Right. And they had it out front. Remember last year they had it out front in front of the theater? Yep. Parked. They did the same thing this year. Oh right. so these two allegedly are living in this trailer. And, uh, you know, the cheesy product placement bits. And it's funny because they're like, yeah, you know what? It's cool. Like you can live in this trailer and everything you need is in here and it's so minimalist and it's, you have, but you have everything you need. And I said to my, my buddy, cause our buddy rich from all about Apre, he was there too. And I was sitting next to him. I go, where are they putting their motorcycles when they're driving around in their airstream? Ah, uh, you know, so again, go. you know, production, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you got to sell some stuff in order to keep making these movies. Yeah. Totally get it. But you know, there's just a, there's a bit of that, that, that salesmanship product placement marketing bit that you just do a little segment, little, right. With the marketing it, and stuff. It'd be nice. If it was a little more subtle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but that's about the only thing I can really, like, fuck the subtle. We got to get this out of the way to get on with the rest of the movie. We got to move some product. We got to make those quarterly numbers again. Ah. But yeah, besides that, like that was the only thing I can really give it. But uh, I mean, again, you know, the filming they do, the the scenes, the locations, it's beautiful. And again, the mu music was dynamite, like better than I think it's ever been. So oh, uh, nice. I just, I, I don't know what it was, but I got me like so super psyched for uh, the season. So, so after the movie, you're walking out. Do you think everybody was supercharged up for like good ski season or what? I think so. Again, there was a ton of people there. Like that nice. really is what blew me away the most was how many people were there. And uh, yeah, people seem pretty, 
pretty excited. So yeah, what was the weather? Yeah, like? was, it, was it cold and like little threatening for snow or what? It was per, it was a it was a cold Friday night. It was probably like in the in the mid forties. Yeah, all right. Actually, actually, less than that because I had a hat on because it was pretty cold. Nice. Um, so it was getting there. It was great. Yeah, it was definitely getting there. So very nice. That's a fun. Uh, it's a fun movie. And you know what? I was actually talking to Rich after that. I was like, you know what? Why don't we get a movie down closer to us, like in Red Bank or something? So boom, we're gonna see sponsor we're gonna next year. Sponsor, yeah, sponsor showing. Yeah. So. Tommy Mo, what are you doing? Let's let's bring it out. Mo Tommy Mo problems. No Mo Tommy Mo problem. Yeah. So if yeah, if it's in your area, definitely make the effort to check it out. I uh, I actually tweeted at them, asking them when they're gonna, you know, like, I love the movie. Like when are you guys gonna get it out for download? And they said right around December first, you should be able to purchase and download. So this is the first one I've actually been that excited about that I want to get it as soon as possible. So. I wonder if we could do it down here and get a whole ski jump. That'd be great. Have people that never skied before on a ski jump. I think that's a recipe for like awesomeness. That's almost as good as that new Japanese show. That slippery <laughs> stairs. Have you seen that? Oh yes. That's awesome. I was watching, I was watching YouTube. I watched it for like, I, I, I like three times and it's like, it's like a 20 minute video. I couldn't stop watching it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like, what are they doing? There's slippery stairs, but I'm like, oh, they're almost doing it. He's almost there. And then just, boom, it's like a bowling ball. It just takes everybody out. It's awesome. fantastic. Yes. It's, it's the uh, it's gotta be it's pretty much the spiritual uh runner up to uh Miss uh, what is it, the most extreme elimination challenge? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. like a slow motion crashed ice to me. <laughs> slow motion crashed ice. Because at first, actually the one that I saw, like they were on ice, weren't they? They might have been, yeah. They were like ice, bare feet on ice. I'm like, that. this is like crashed ice, but like slow motion. It's pretty rough. Did not yeah. look fun. Let's put it that way. I don't know what they were going to win, but didn't seem like it was worth, you know, there's a big level for winning something on that show. I seems. love how they're just like Power Rangers, too. <laughs> yeah. And they were like lubed up. I don't know if they like put, a, a you know, somebody runs by, just throws a bucket of KY on or something like there you go guys or or I'll like, like, like a KY car wash you have to go through <laughs> somebody with a big brush <laughs> just takes it here you go you get your KY on now oh my god <laughs> just type in slippery stairs into YouTube and oh, no. prepare to enjoy it's so fantastic I love the ratio <laughs> of like thumbs up to thumbs downs 25,000 thumbs up only 110 thumbs down so that's how good this is <laughs> <laughs> it can unite the monsters of YouTube. Oh my God, they're going so fast down the stairs. <laughs> uh, I'll skip it. Oh, it's a total. This is great. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, why do they have a British guy narrating the Japanese show? Hmm. Is that cultural is appropriation from the from the BBC? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the dude. They're like they're standing still and they're still sliding. It's great. You have like this cannonball person flying down the, from the top and just taking everybody out. Oh, is that ice or not? I don't know. I don't think it is. Yeah, it might just be white like stairs. I don't know. Oh, it's hysterical. Oh, my God. All right. So I love how they show all the people watching. They're just like, ha, ha, ha that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you going to do? They're like, ah, just laugh openly. Oh, the best people try to jump out of the way. And they just like <laughs> drop a knee on the person. And it's like, oh, you just ruined your knee right there. 
and then there's a guy crawling and he's like almost there and all of a sudden boom he's he's down yeah. <laughs> hours of excitement all yes, right please picture that that's how crash dice should end it's reverse crash dice no no you go through crash dice and at the end you cross the finish line and then you got to get up the stairs Ooh, there you go there you go somebody, throws a, of somebody throws a bucket of lube on you and then you gotta go <laughs> slow up the stairs how about that buddy boy yeah. <laughs> get the uh-huh. loop, get the ky guy out there just shoot you with like bam just vaseline or whatever you gotta climb up some stairs. You're still watching, aren't you? I gotta stop. I gotta stop. All right. Stop. That is gonna wrap up the main topic. So yeah, check it out. Go to um ski.net and you can get the uh the Warren Miller information for Mine of Descent because it was fantastic. Also, soundtrack is available on Spotify, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes at skibumpodcast.com. All right, and one last thing before we get go under the ropes, we uh we forgot to mention this past weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, our home mountain of Killington, Vermont, hosted the FIS Women's World Cup slalom and giant slalom events. And big shout out to Michaela Schifrin who came in first in the slalom and second in the giant slalom. So nice. Congratulations, Michaela, and uh, a big congratulations to Victoria Ravensburg, who came in first in the, the giant slalom. Um, they're just a, a fantastic event. We watched it on TV. Couldn't be up there. Uh, and Killington, you guys lucked out again. You got great weather again. That's two years in a row. And they had a ton for- of people, right? They had a ton of people. They were saying there was 18,000 the first day. And then another 16,000 the second day for a total of 34,000. And uh, they said the fans were great. People were excited. The skiers had a great time. So uh, it's it seems like putting it in Killington has been a big success for everybody. Sounds, you know, it's a great area, uh, great mountain. But it, like, dem- like, just logistically, it's like it's close enough to like New York, Boston, Connecticut, like all like that whole area is like pretty good gets good draw yeah fantastic and again they had great cold weather they could make the snow uh keep it in great condition i think it was might have been uh a little bit of uh precipitation the one day but mm-hmm. for the most part they uh, they lucked out again and they're getting it for 2018 so boom three years in a row better and better every year so we'll see what happens next year so congratulations to everyone who meddled congratulations to killington to vermont it was another another big success yeah, it's a big logistic nightmare to to host something like that. It seems like they did a good job. And they're learning every time they do it. They uh, they get better at it. Awesome. Under the all right, so ropes. we're going under the ropes, right, buddy? With that, yes. Let's do it. Boom. All right, so let's start off. Uh, everybody knows we've had this conspiracy theory that we we found, which is fascinating. So the flat earthers, right? We, we're not going to let those guys go. U.S. government. Isn't the fact that Paul McCartney's not the real Paul McCartney. Oh, that's another one. I got. I I have not gone down the rabbit hole. I've thought about it, but I'm like, it's gonna start me on like a two day quest of like finding out like who's who's really who. So, we'll start for now on the U.S. government shuts down the Flat Earthers rocket launch. So, Mike Hughes, which they call Mad Mike Hughes, uh, is a flat Earth conspiracy theorist, and he um he's gonna have to wait a little bit longer. 
to have his test science busting rocket launched up. So he made a homemade rocket um, and <laughs> he was going to launch himself in a homemade rocket to 1800 feet above the Mojave Desert. And the launch was stalled because they said, you know, the Bureau of Land Management got wind of the plan and they said, you know, let's shut this thing down because it's going to take place on public land and we don't want somebody killing themselves on public land. <laughs> so this guy said he built a steep right? Huh? YA. Yeah, that's right. So he built a steam-powered rocket. So take that, Elon Musk. He built a steam-powered rocket out of mm -hmm. salvage parts in his garage for a total personal cost of $20,000. So um, That's all it takes to launch a rocket. That's all it takes. And he also bought a motorhome and converted it into a ramp. So the plan was, it's kind of like Wiley e. Coyote where you're going to ride that thing <laughs> up the ramp and it's going to go up in the air. And he was going to be in it. And uh, he, he planned to ditch it and he was going to parachute back to Earth. So it was supposed to be the first stage in a long-term effort to fly high enough to photograph the disk Earth and disprove that the Earth, the Earth is a sphere. So while it's been established for about 2,500 years, um, there's still this conspiracy that... Conspiracy that um, the earth is really flat and that, you know, NASA is doing stuff to like not let people on the edge and like keep the truth from people. So I don't know. It's pretty amazing that they're going to this level of having an organization and like having people like spend money on trying to do this. So I don't know if he wanted to find out like if the earth is flat, couldn't he have just sent the drone up? That would have been less than 20 grand. Yeah, these these guys, like this guy apparently has tried this before. <laughs> Look, you want to throw yourself up in the air and come down and parachute, go right ahead, but yeah. just don't do it on public land. I, I saw a, a tweet, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and it was um, Neil deGrasse Tyson showing like what <laughs> a uh, what an eclipse, a lunar eclipse would look like if the earth was flat. It was almost like a disc. Like a line awesome. across the earth. All right. One day ago, Flat Earth Society, there's a society, just responded to Elon Musk's tweet, and we're confused. So they've had one heck of a week because not only are they deniers of terrestrials' fierce fearfulness about to embark on the most audacious experience, but they've come to the, now they've come to the attention of none other than Elon Musk. So, um, yeah, what are they saying here? Let's see the tweet. Uh, Musk says, Mars sky is opposite of Earth, blue sunrise and sunset, red during day. I said, why is there no flat Mars society? That's what he, he tweeted out. It's awesome. Uh, and see? then what else? Don't worry, they're verified. Flat Mars. And there's a society for flat Mars. Flat Mars. So, and they mentioned Mike Hughes, California man Mike Hughes, who intends to launch himself on a rocket. And they have pictures of him next to this gigantic rocket and everything. So, uh, yeah, that's really like say Florida man Mike Hughes. <laughs> nope, he, we're not taking credit for him. It sounds like it, it makes more sense. It does, but I like the fact that he's in in where he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
the Flat Earth Mars Society. Well, the mm. Flat Mars Society is out there. Again, that we have too much food and not enough predators. And this so, is the kind of thinking that, that happens. I don't think there are any spheres in this world. I think everything is an optical illusion. So I'm going to yeah. do the flat everything. Everything's flat. I'm, I'm so pissed. I'm trying to remember that conspiracy theory that I found a couple weeks ago. Ah. I loved, and I can't remember what it was. There was one that was so goddamn funny. And it, I was obsessed with it for six minutes. And I completely forgot what it was. It wasn't fake Paul McCartney. Oh, oh well. I'll have to go back uh, to the Okay, the Flat Earth Society responded to Musk and said, Hi, Elon. Thanks for the question. Unlike the Earth, Mars has been observed to be round. We hope you have a fantastic day. Wow, you really put it to gotcha, Musk. Gotcha, Elon. I love these people. Yeah, uh, they were get... saying, now given the publicity around Mike Hughes' imminent rocket launch, scientists are again appealing for a bit of reason here. Yeah, it wasn't imminent because he was shut down. Yeah. Probably for his own safety. <sighs> yeah, I don't think... Uh... I don't think he thought the consequences out. Oh, and it, too, I, you know. I see the Neil deGrasse Tyson thing. And they show yeah. it just like flat across the moon. Yeah, you're like this is what it would look like if there was, if the Earth was flat. This would be the lunar eclipse. That's awesome. Yeah, but yes. a, lot of these, a lot of these dildos have no, have no desire, need, or concern for science in any of their theories. They're all just exactly what that is, a theory. Well, the best part, it's not even a theory. It's just like, a weird a stupid idea on. yeah they're just holding on to it outside of reason so if you if you give them that they'd be like oh no that's just the government trying to superimpose an image on it and they came with this complicated thing about it and it's like yeah that's total just join scientology just do it it's here in clearwater <laughs> it's the major hub of, of science just go right down there i'll drop you off how about that oh, that's right it is in clearwater right right Dude. in your neighborhood I was in Clearwater last weekend. And I'm like with this girl. We're like walking. Around. She's like, yeah, this is all Scientology. She's like, they walk around here on Saturdays after their meetings and all. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I got to I gotta come down and like observe this stuff going on. It's crazy. I thought I was going to get jumped at like a stoplight and just like thrown into a van. And Well, they do that test on you, don't they? Like when you're there, like, like they'll just walk up to you and they'll, something about your orbs or something. Like they test you for something. I, I forget. Nobody's touching my goddamn orbs. Let's put it that way. We're going yeah. to throw it down. There was a, did you watch that going clear documentary? Oh, that was great. That's why I was like, I saw the building and that's the going clear building. I'm like, holy shit, that's the building. Or it looks like the, the building. I don't know. It was the one in California or the one here. I don't, it looks the same. It's like a gigantic the, building. That's, that's one of the things that Trump is looking to do that I would be totally supportive of is removing their tax exempt status. Yeah. That's all it is, is a goddamn money laundering hive. I tell you, it was late at night, and I was like stopped at a stop sign in front of like the big building, with, a, and there was nobody around. I was like, I'm going to get abducted right now by this cult and like taken in. Yep. I thought possible. It. I thought about it. I'm going to drive around there. Like, we'll see. I'm going to have some nights over there. Let's yell at people. <laughs> I'm going to YouTube it. High pollutants, key bumps. Do it. Right at Scientology. <laughs> I would Scientology. Yeah. Scientology, highfalutin, ski bums. <laughs> uh, 
All right, next up. Damn Uh, flat earthers. They always sidetrack us. So there was like bad science, (laughs) and now there's good science. So physicists have just found a loophole in graphene that could unlock clean, limitless energy. Damn. So how do they do this? So by all means, graphene shouldn't even exist. The fact that it does comes down to a neat loophole in physics that sees an impossible 2D sheet of atoms act like a solid 3D material. New research has delved into graphene's rippling, discovering a physical phenomenon on an atomic scale that could lead that could be exploited as a way to produce a virtually limitless supply of clean energy. Hmm. Um, so we're all familiar with gritty black carbon-based material called graphite, which is commonly combined with a ceramic material to make the so-called lead in pencils. For years, scientists wondered if it was possible to isolate single sheets of graphite, leaving a two-dimensional plane of carbon caught chicken wire to stand on its own. To exist, the 2D material had to be cheating in some way, acting as a 3D material in order to provide some level of robustness. In other words, graphene was possible because it wasn't perfectly flat at all, but vibrated on an atomic level in such a way that its bonds didn't spontaneously unravel. Oh, wow. So it moved, but it didn't like just blow apart. Yes. Wow. But they're saying that, you know, without doing anything, it's just trying to stay together. So it just kind of wiggles and just vibrates. Yeah, and they're saying that they could fit about 20,000 of these squares on the head of a pin. A small amount of graphene at room temperature could feasibly power something like a small wristwatch indefinitely. Damn, indefinitely. Yeah. yeah. So this is like kind of just the first steps like that you know, they find this weird material um, that shouldn't exist in the first place, and it's able to create this energy, and it's possible that if they, they harness this correctly, it could just, on a larger scale, could be a, a huge, you know, amount of energy that's produced. Wow. All right. So what's the over under that the power company is going to take all these scientists out? Well, um, you know, Same. at some point they're going to have to get past this obsession with coal and move on to something else. This is, I mean, it is Elon dirty. Musk should find these people and be like, all right, we got to develop this. We got to send a rocket to Mars. Like this is how you're going to power it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, they're saying it's going to be the, it's going to be the building block for future conductors. So they nice. may, uh, they, they, they're going to need something innovative and next level. And maybe this is the, the way to go. I think it might be. That sounds pretty, uh, promising. This is pretty cool stuff. So we'll have a link. This is on uh, sciencealert.com. So the problem with all this is like, how long is this going to take to come? How long is this going to take to be like something that's really in our modern day, everyday life, right? That's, that's always true. That's, that's always one of the, the frustrating things about these innovations. You're like, when is it actually going to be? Yeah, when can we actually use it? But, right. you know, it seems like nowadays the way the, uh, the path for a lot of these new technologies seems to be a lot shorter than it was 30, 40 years ago. You know, these things that are, you know, these, I mean, look at the, uh, the large Hadron Collider out in, at CERN, you know, mm. that seems like a crazy theoretical thing that actually exists now. Yeah. You know, That's so, a huge ass thing. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of these things that seem far-fetched are becoming a little more realistic. I mean, look at the iPhone. I just got the iPhone 10. I mean, compare that to what existed 
you know, 10 years ago. It's, it's like, I remember watching Steve Jobs talk about the, um, the iPhone, the very first one, like watching that presentation that he was doing. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, this doesn't even seem possible or real, <laughs> you know? And yeah. now we take it for granted as the technology behind it. Get mad that it doesn't work right. You're like, I, I don't really care about the technology. This shit's not working right. Yeah. I don't care if it takes like a million hours of people putting stuff together, like make my thing work. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. You take it for granted. So you up that level and you keep pushing it. Yeah, and that's, that seems like that half things move a little bit faster just because of the, the other technologies that we have. Yeah. And that's not going to stop. Well, it's good because I think like, you know, I mean, we've, we're pushing technology more now because we're expecting more. We're like, why can't it do this? Like, oh, this is great that you just gave me, but why can't it do this, right? Whereas years ago, it'd be like, no, nope, you got a car. Maybe it doesn't have seatbelt, but that's all right. Just keep getting a car. We got a different color, this this next model. So you're not really changing anything, but we're accepting of that. Now we're not as accepting of that. Like what what's the new shit they have for us? You know what I mean? Like every yeah, well, push well a lot of it too is, you know, people say, you know, they a lot of I've seen people criticizing science fiction as not pushing the ideas far enough because what what science fiction creates, again, it's fiction but it also leads to a lot of the technologies that we end up building down the road. Right. Look at Star Trek with the communicators, you know, that's kind of a, you know, an early cell phone, you know, that's, that's sort of the yeah. same. That was same. the push to talk, which everybody hated. Remember that? It was, was it Nextel? Nextel. Yeah. I had but, those, but it depends on the meatheads that are on the other line of that. Like I'd be in meetings and I'd get, Hey man, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, God. Oh really? Damn it! I'm on a meeting, asshole. Yeah, it it was that bad. Uh, That's why everybody hated him. Like, I'd rather you ping me on a text and then I'll answer it because you're just a dummy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's when I did construction. Remember those times? Uh, the good old days, right? Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, okay, I I was in a professional meeting with somebody talking like human beings, and <laughs> you had to just chime in with, "Hey, what the yeah." But yeah, so we're going to, I think we're, uh, we're going to have to, if we can think, yeah, like back to Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, crazy thoughts and have these, these crazy visions, we have to have those first and then we'll figure out the science behind it. But I think that's happening faster. It's based on how far we've innovated ourselves in the last 10 to 20 years versus yeah. previous. I actually saw an article on a particle collider that you mentioned. They were like, well, what if they really make true antimatter? Like, would it theoretically cause a black hole and just swallow up the entire earth? Like in a, a that few was seconds? The, that was the concern when they first fired that thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you really doing here? Like, it's great. It's like pushing the limit of shit. But what are you actually going to do? Be like Event Horizon where they go through hell. Yeah. Right. Like, how, how do you know we're not going through it now? True. Our podcast could be a result of you going through the wormhole <laughs> that has been created by the particle collider. You never Perhaps. know. Perhaps. Yeah. Whew. Gotta get a whole lot more weed for for this discussion. Cause I tell Hells you yeah. what. Hells yeah. All right. So on the idea of pushing your limits, hackers are posting porn on ISIS websites. Vice is reporting that in an effort to take down ISIS, Iraqi hackers called uh Dishgram, dish, yeah, Dishgram have exploited the guilt and anxiety of fundamentals by posting porn on their official communication channels. 
Now they're posting out just like, so they're saying like uh, a video of ISIS supporters watching the announcement was observed um, when they were actually um, posting images of a naked woman in, in a porno. So they're <laughs> saying the stunt ended up planting seeds of doubts in online forums. So I guess what that they did was yeah, they posted it and then they started monitoring all their the ISIS forums. Now, the funny thing is, it's kind of like serves them right because earlier in the month, um, they announced, they claimed that their website, website was unhackable. Um, and a Muslim group called uh, D5, whatever it is, quickly replied, challenge accepted. Uh-uh. In a few hours, uh, it hacked uh, AMC and released emails detailing information of its subscribers. So... They kind of put the challenge out there. It's it's on them, you know. I'm just saying. But anyway, I think it's pretty interesting. So it's kind of, and Vice does a really great job of writing the article. I'm not doing it justice. I'm just summarizing. But they do a lot of good writing because it's from uh, a person I believe that was was is Muslim, and it's describing like how much of a problem for somebody being Muslim to to come to grips with either seeing this or having their own feelings about porn or women or sexuality like it's it's like a very very big thing because it's like tied into the religion mm-hmm. and um they actually said that in 20 in 2016 an anonymous hacker group named watchula ghost attacked isis in social media and they posted gay porn from its profiles so the hacker claimed to hack more than 250 social media accounts associated with isis replacing its content with gay pride messages and porn so you know it's kind of wild it's like how do you how do you get these fundamentalists i guess they're trying to attack them on a level that they didn't even think was vulnerable right so it's kind of well that's the ultimate way to get to them it's not it's not the fighting in the streets, it's a psychological warfare. Well, because you know, it's like, like they don't watching... think about what they're doing, and then when they start thinking about their fundamentals and things, it's like it blows their mind. Sometimes. Well, that's that's the most powerful weapon is those seeds of doubt, you know. Yeah. And remember, we were I was showing you a couple months ago that Onion movie when they were showing the, oh, the yeah. Steven Seagal thing, Cock Puncher. Yeah, that was hilarious. So the Onion made some movie a couple years ago. It wasn't that great, but there was some funny little vignettes in there. And they had this uh, this Steven Seagal movie called Cock Puncher. And that's what he did. He would like, you know, punch, punch people in the dick. <laughs> and uh, they were showing these like terrorists. And like the guy had got a copy of it. And it was like forbidden Western fruit. And he's always like watching it. He's like, awesome. And he's like slapping himself. He's like, oh, no, disgusting. <laughs> <bastard filth." laughs> that's right. And that's, again, like it's it's this forbidden fruit. And if you can just you know, cultivate it enough and, and, and sprinkle those seeds and that fruit will grow and it'll get these people to, to think differently more than any other way, you know, because right. again, we're all human. We're all, we're all here because of sex, you know, and if you repress that, you're only going to make it more, more captivating and interesting and, and forbidden. So this, this is, this is absolutely hysterical and beautiful. And I hope these people keep doing that. Yeah, I I think it's great, man. I think that and drop some weed bombs. That's right. Launch some weed bombs in there. Weed bombs. Um, well, they have like a bunch of stuff in there. I'm sure they smoke or whatever. 
Oh yeah. But yeah. Just the idea of like it blows their mind in so many ways. First, the nudity, the porn, uh, the gayness, the straightness, whatever. It, it blows all their mind. Just it's crazy. Mm-hmm. They can't like, all that's possible. Not yeah. just being douchebag. That's right. They're, They're not ready for this jelly. All right, and we got one more story to finish off this week. So how was your Thanksgiving, Brian? Well, it was better than Edward and and Nina's, that's for sure. Host killed Thanksgiving guest for bogarting the crack pipe. Damn, I told her not that good. I mean, we've all had what our Thanksgiving, fuck? you know, stories and, and incidences with our in-laws, but Thanksgiving new Thanksgiving usually never begins or ends with crack. In my at least in the Thanksgivings I, I gone to, just saying. Yeah, they're rare. It occurs, but it's rare. Uh, a Minneapolis woman allegedly killed a Thanksgiving guest for smoking crack at the table and not offering to share, police said. Damn. Anemia Marie Hare, 47, was charged Monday with the holiday murder of Edward Khalif, 69, whom she'd invited over for dinner. Before they started to eat, she looked over and saw the victim lighting up a crack pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even wait to eat the turkey. I got it. Damn. Her guest hadn't asked permission or offered her any of the drugs. So the hostess reportedly told police she stood in front of the apartment armed with a TV antenna <laughs> and a butcher knife so that Khalif couldn't leave. Are those rabbit ears? Like, goddamn. So Khalif was found face down on the living room floor near the broken window and was pronounced dead at the hospital. <laughs> Hare was charged with second-degree murder without intent. Damn. I mean, what more can you really say or ask about that incident? You know what I could ask? How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it ended with us smoking the crack that came out of his hand when he was dead because the cops got that. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty fucked up. So really the moral of the story is if you're going to bring crack to Thanksgiving is always let the host partake first. That's an unwritten rule. And then I don't think you do it. Why is it unwritten? It needs to be uh, written. That's the problem. That they, There you go. There you go. Some write people don't know the unwritten rules, right? You got to write it down. So if you're getting ready to eat at Thanksgiving, you going to take one more little token of crack pipe or you're just going to wait? Uh, you know what? I prefer my crack on Easter. It doesn't go with uh, pumpkin pie, if you ask me. It doesn't, doesn't pair well. Well, Mike, you know, she's 47. He's 69. Like, he's coming over. He's an older gentleman. He's just kind of just chilling out. He's like, maybe it's medicinal. Medicinal crack. I don't know. <laughs> medicinal crack, yeah. We got, got a crack card. Crack card. I got a crack card, girl. My crack card. Medicinal uh, crack. That's crazy shit right there. Quite possible, right? I remember the Thanksgiving of 2017. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, nothing more can be said about that. Craziness. Well, hopefully you had a better Thanksgiving than those folks. And thank oh, you so much for listening. Hopefully you watch ISIS porn. You'd be good. There you go. So thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. You can check out all of our info at skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on the socials. Twitter.com slash skibum podcast, Facebook.com slash skibum podcast, Instagram.com slash skibum podcast. We are on SoundCloud. 
as the highfalutin dash ski bum and we are also on pinterest as highfalutins so thank you again and we will see you guys next week stay high stay fluting see ya